Remain standing and turn to the book of Acts, chapter 16. We'll start our reading this morning. Acts chapter 16 and verse 6. Through verse 15, Dan? Verse 12. Acts 16, 6 through 12. Now, when they'd gone through Phrygia in the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. After they'd come to Messiah, they tried to go into Bithynia. But the Holy Spirit did not permit them. So passing by Mycenae, they came down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. Therefore, sailing from Troas, we ran a straight course to Samothrace, and the next day came to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is the foremost city of the part of Macedonia, a colony. And we were staying in that city for some days. You may be seated. ones, if you want to go, you can go with me, Cindy. Yes. Am I right, Cindy? Are you heading back there? Okay. <laughs> well, good morning. It's good to see each one here. Uh, a couple of new faces. I want to make sure and welcome each one. Um, Patrick's already prayed, but I better take a moment and pray as well, or I'm going to get running on, and I'll forget, maybe. I did that a few weeks ago. Um, let's open with a word. Father, I want to thank you for your word. Thank you for each one that's gathered here this morning. Father, we're about to look into your word now. Father, I pray you would open it to us in a wonderful way. Help me to proclaim it as I should. Keep me from saying anything I should not say. May you be pleased with what is proclaimed and our response to it. Father, I want to thank you in advance for what you're going to do this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Acts 16, 6 through 12 are the scripture was our scripture reading, but Acts 15.36 through 16.12 is where we're going to be. And I understand why Patrick asked if it was through verse 15, because uh, what's going to happen is Lydia is going to get saved. Uh, Paul and Silas are going to end up in Macedonia, and they're going to go to a riverside there, and um, this woman's going to get saved. But I want to leave that hanging there, just like it is for these guys in this moment. I just want to leave that hanging there until next week because I want to focus on something else this morning. And what I want to focus on is the title of this message and the main statement is, is this, moving forward as the Spirit leads. That's what I want to talk about this morning, moving, moving forward as the Spirit leads. For some of you, for some of us, a board game might seem like a waste of time. <laughs> any hands there? A board game a waste of time? I'm not going to ask for any hands. <laughs> That's why it's called board but we, but we do enjoy a board game from time to time when our family gets together. And, uh, and 
to do that with someone else. You know, you can visit with one another in a special way. There's no rush there. And you can build relationships just in, in their, such simple ways. It's, it's really a wonderful time sometimes. And there's a board game that our family has liked to play through the years. In fact, I think the first time I played it was 40 years ago. Some of us like to play it more than others. Um, and we've even introduced, it, introduced that game to a few people. Our son-in-law, AJ, the first time he played it, he was hooked. And if we get together and there's time, he says, farming game? That's what he wants to play in a farming game. I was reminded of this because we also introduced it to uh, Michaela Bagley's, not Michaela Bagley any longer. She married Ernest, and I can't remember Ernest's last name. Bratcher. Um, Ernest loves that game too. <laughs> and so Michaela posted something on Facebook, and I'm never on Facebook, but I get to see pictures, and I saw a picture that Michaela posted. It was a picture of the farming game, and she said the Thanksgiving festivities have begun. But it's a, it's, a, it's a fun game. It is. It's, I was a farmer for a while. Some of you know that. And what it is is you, you got this little farmer guy, and you move him around the board, and the board represents one full year of farming. You've got each month of the year and the different things that take place as a farmer in that year. Um, you know, different harvest seasons and selling of cattle and harvesting fruit and different things like that. But there's a card that you can pick up, and there's a spot you can land on that tells you go, to go back to the second week of January. And you don't mind if you have to do that once. It's like, ah, oh, you want to get your year going. You want to get moving. But sometimes someone will get stuck doing that like three or four times in a row, and it kind of gets frustrating. Go back to the second week of January. Go back to the second week of January. Now, why am I talking about this? Because our Christian life, your Christian life, can feel just the same way sometimes. Hey, you can feel stuck in one place. It can feel like you just keep going back to the second week of January, and you just can't move forward. Now, I want to talk this morning about moving forward as the Spirit leads. The good news is that God does not, while a board game might seem like a waste of time to some of us, and even when I'm playing those sometimes, I think, man, I could be doing something else. But God doesn't waste any of that time. When we feel like we're stuck in one spot, God doesn't waste any of that time. He doesn't waste anything. But there does come a point when we need to move forward. There does come a point when we need to move forward. And when we do, we want to know that it's the Holy Spirit leading us, don't we? We want to know it's not us moving out ahead of the Holy Spirit or in a direction that the Holy Spirit isn't leading. We want to have confidence that we're moving as the Holy Spirit is leading. You know, the Bible has some things to say about the leading of the Holy Spirit. Just a few verses with regard to that. In John 16, uh, Jesus says to his disciples that the Holy Spirit is going to come and he's going to guide you into all truth. And this is an important point before I start getting into the meat of this message. The Holy Spirit guides you into all truth. He never leads you into error. You can't move forward in your Christian life into sin and error and say, God led me here. You can't do that. The Holy Spirit will never lead you into error. He always leads you into truth. What a wonderful thing to know that the Holy Spirit will guide you in all truth. There's another verse I thought I would share, and that's um, in Romans 8.14. It says, All who are led by the Spirit 
are the our sons of God or our children of God. If you are led by the Spirit, you are a child of God's. And it was mentioned this morning in Sunday school. Our Spirit testifies with His Spirit that we are children of God. And by that same Spirit, we cry out, Abba, Father. What a wonderful thing to know that God is our Father. In another verse, Galatians 5.18 says, If you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. You are not under the law. In Romans uh, chapter 7 and chapter 8, and we're not going to turn there, but there are these three spiritual laws laid out in those three chapters. Uh, The law of God, which is spiritual. The law of God, which is spiritual. The law of sin and death. And the law of the spirit of life that has made us free from the law of sin and death. The spirit sets us free from sin, hey? But... But what is it to, to move forward as the Spirit leads? What is that? And that's what I want to talk about this morning. And really, this message is for believers. But I want to say, if you, have not, if you have not yet trusted Christ, there's going to be a message here for you as well along the way. But the role of the Holy Spirit in your life, if you haven't yet to trust Christ, is to convict you. The Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. I can remember the first guy that tried witnessing to me, I was so offended by what he had to say, but I couldn't escape the truth of it. There was some conviction that came. The Holy Spirit does that. But for us as believers, we are to move forward as the Spirit leads. And in our text today, that um, Patrick read for us, 16, 6 through 12, really what we're looking at is the narrative of Paul's second missionary journey. But that journey begins with an idea. That Paul's second missionary journey begins with just this simple idea. Look at chapter 15, verse 36. And we're going to cover this ground, uh, 1536 through 1612. It says, After some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us return and visit the brethren in every city in which we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are, or to see how they're doing. This second missionary journey begins with that idea. I want to go, I want to see those places where we planted churches and where we appointed elders, and I want to see how they're doing. But from there, it doesn't start off too smoothly, does it? Right away, Paul and Barnabas have a disagreement. And things become difficult. Have you ever looked at those lines in the back of your Bible? I had a clicker. Josh, can you click for me? (laughs) There we go. Maybe you can't see that, but in the back of your Bible, I remember the first time looking at that, first time I noticed, oh, there's maps back here, and there's a map of Paul's missionary journeys. You ever notice them in the back of your Bible? Maybe the first time you noticed them, you thought, like I did probably, why are those there? Why would someone put that there? And then the second time, you might think, his travels seem kind of random. You know, and after, after a little more thought, you might think, wow, there's just this randomness. Bouncing around here and bouncing around there. And then, after a while, maybe you'd come to some conclusions like, Paul is really committed to what he's doing. Hey, He's really committed to what it is he's doing. 
These, these lines on here also show Paul's journeys to Rome. But it is obvious, as you look in the book of Acts, and in the section of Acts that we're in right now, that Paul and his companions are men on the move. Okay? They're men on the move. We are too. We're active people. Even with the COVID shutdown, we're, we're active people. We've got a lot going on. And in the book of Acts, we can see the activity of the Holy Spirit almost or probably on every page in the book of Acts. In Acts 1.8, there's the promise of the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 2, there's the coming of the Holy Spirit. And as you go on, you see the filling of the Holy Spirit. You see the Holy Spirit speaking in different times. You see the compelling of the Holy Spirit. In Acts 7.15, you read this. As Stephen is, is preaching this message, he says, you are just like your fathers. You always resist the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit can be resisted. But we're talking about moving forward as the Spirit leads. We're not talking this morning about resisting the Holy Spirit, are we? So I want to, I want to speak on three ways in which the Spirit, three ways that we can move forward as the Spirit leads. The first one is recognizing when He leads. The second one is resting in where He leads. And the third one is responding to is leading. Those three areas are the things I want to talk about. Recognizing when the Spirit is leading. So let's just, let's just dig in here, okay? Recognizing when the Spirit is leading. What I mean by that is this. The circumstances under which they are experiencing the leading of the Holy Spirit. We're, we're, we're reading of these people that are being led of the Holy Spirit. As you read this, as I've read this, I see that Luke is letting his reader know that every step of the way, the Spirit was guiding them. Verse 6, which is what Pastor Patrick has read for us, verse 16, chapter 16, verse 6, gives us some insight here. Gives us something to grab hold of with regard to recognizing when the Spirit is leading and the Holy Spirit is leading them. It says, now when they had gone throughout Pergia, I can't say that is good, and the region of Galatia, and were forbidden of the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. They were forbidden. They were kept from doing what they were intending to do. They were not allowed to. And we're not told what it was that made it known to them that they couldn't do it. We're just told that they were kept from doing the thing they wanted to do. We're not told what it was. It doesn't give us any record of that. Luke doesn't record, this is how they were kept. But we are told how it is they view this inability to go into the area they wanted to go. And they view it as the Holy Spirit guiding them. They recognize the inability to go into the place they want to go to spread the gospel is the leading of the Holy Spirit. They recognize that. In Proverbs 16.9, next slide, Josh, if you would. It says, the mind of man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Or a man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. For us as believers, there's just a joy in that. Eh? There's just a joy in knowing that. We think through things. We make our plans. We move out in a direction. But we find that it's the Lord that directs our steps, isn't it? It's the Lord that directs our steps. 
And if I said, can I hear a testimony of that this morning, I'm sure I could hear testimony after testimony after testimony of that. I'll, I'll just give you one from one of our daughters, Colette. Colette, when she was a young lady, always wanted to live in the city of Chicago. Her whole growing up life, even in young adulthood, I want a very young adulthood, I want to live in the city of Chicago. I knew my daughter wanted to be married. And she was in lower Michigan, and she, she's kind of a career-minded person, and she had these jobs that sound really important kind of thing. I won't get into what she was doing. She says, I just feel like I'm just here languishing all by myself. What am I doing here? And I was praying about it, and Cindy was praying about it, and I said to Cindy, let's suggest to her she just move out here. Just come be with us. She's, she's just, it's not good for her to be out there alone. And she said, I don't want to move to Utah. What kind of job am I going to find? I said, I don't know. You'll, you'll find a job. Well, she, she filled out applications, and she got a job, and the job, the job that she got, she thought, I don't want to, and I won't tell you what it was, but I don't want to do that job. But she took it. And then they promoted her, and they promoted her, and they promoted her, and they promoted her, and next thing you know, they moved her to Chicago. Not only that, while she's here, she meets her husband. And they just got married this year, right? We make our plans, but the Lord directs our steps. And I know that if I asked, there'd be many people that could give testimony to that, and I could give some from my, my own personal experience as well. It isn't a wonderful thing to know that the Lord directs our steps. And, and, and this thing that we read in verse 6, now when they had gone throughout Pergia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. It's, this has been in operation all the way along. And I think it's what Luke would have us to recognize. He would have us to recognize what they did, that the Holy Spirit is leading and this is my point here, recognizing when the Holy Spirit is leading. Recognize that the Holy Spirit is leading through it all. Through it all. That's why I said it was so important at the beginning. He never leads us in error. He never leads us in sin. But when you're following after the Lord, you find that the Holy Spirit has led you all the way. All the way. Through the seeming incidentals of life, the Spirit is leading them. This disagreement that, that Paul and Barnabas have back in chapter 15, 36 through 41, and the account of that that we have, we can see that their disagreements, our disagreements, do not thwart the purposes of God or the leading of the Holy Spirit. Our disagreements don't do that. It's just a reality that disagreements might come, hey? They might. But it really does stand out here, doesn't it? Let's look at it. Acts 15, 36 through 41. I already read 36. Let's pick it up in 37. 1537. Barnabas wanted to take John Mark along with them also, but Paul kept insisting that they should not take him along who had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. And there occurred such a sharp disagreement that they separated from one another. And Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and left being committed by the brethren to the grace of the Lord and he was traveling through Syria and Cilicia, Cilicia, strengthening the churches. This really stands out here, this division between Paul and Barnabas, because they experienced so much together. Hey? Back in chapter 13, the Holy Spirit says, Set apart for me Saul and Barnabas for the work that I have for them to do. 
And then we see them engaged in that work. And, and churches are being planted. And wonderful things are happening. And this man who is crippled in his feet from his mother's womb is healed. And the people think, start calling them gods. They say, no, don't do that. And all these experiences they have. And then Paul and Barnabas are involved in, in making sure that the, the Gentile church isn't like a separate church from the Jewish church. And, and people are coming and saying that the, the Gentiles that are being saved need to become Jewish. They need to be circumcised. And Paul and Barnabas stand up and say, no, we don't think that's right. And they go back to Jerusalem and they're given the, they're a part of that decision-making process. And they're, they're given the task to go and share this with the churches. All those things that Paul and Barnabas are so closely knitted together and involved with, and now this break, hey, this separation. Now, look, I've read some commentaries. I've heard some messages through the years. You probably have too, and people try to decide who was right and who was wrong. I'm not doing that. I'm not going to decide who is right and who is wrong because I don't know. In fact, I don't think they know either. Look what, listen to what Paul writes in, in, in 1 Corinthians 12, 7. You don't need to turn there. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 12, 7, but to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Paul, when he's writing that, has to have Barnabas on his mind. He's this great encourager. And Paul takes, and, and Paul takes Silas, but Barnabas takes uh, John Mark and he goes to Cyprus. And John Mark later becomes useful to Paul. And Paul recognizes it. Paul writes to the Colossians in Colossians 4.10. And he says, when, when, if, if John Mark comes to you, if Mark comes to you, you receive him in the Lord. But my point is here, recognizing when the Spirit is leading, the Holy Spirit leads through it all. Through difficulties and disagreements, things that are hard to understand. Warren Wearsby writes of this disagreement between Barnabas and Paul, he says that the end result is now there are two missionary teams on the mission field. I think that's a wonderful way to think about that. But through it all, the Holy Spirit is leading, and you can see that. You can just see that. So he leads through difficulties, the Holy Spirit does. Recognizing when the Spirit is leading through it all. He leads through our decisions, personal decisions, decisions we make, as we, those things we just examined. But I'd also say we have to recognize that decisions had to be made. It's important not to just get stuck on the second week of January in your spiritual life. Decisions have to be made. You have to move forward. And the Holy Spirit leads through the decisions made by the church. In Acts uh, 16, 4 and 5, look at that with me. Acts 16, 4 and 5. Now while they were passing through the cities, they were delivering the decrees which had been decided upon by the apostles and the elders who were in Jerusalem for them to observe. So the churches were being strengthened in the faith or increasing in number daily. The Holy Spirit leads through the decisions that we make personally. He leads through the decisions made by the church. The Holy Spirit leads through doors that are opened and through doors that are closed. And that's just obvious in those verses. And that's where we're coming to now, verses 6 through 12. It's just obvious in these verses. In verse 6, the Holy Spirit forbid them to go into Asia. And in verse 7, and after they came to my Asia, they were trying to go into Bithynia, and the Spirit of Jesus did not 
permit them. There's another place they're trying to go. They were traveling throughout these other regions, and they had open doors and open doors and open doors almost everywhere they went, and then there was a door that was closed. And then another door that was closed. And you've got to think, I do, that there must have been some disappointment for them with regard to that. But even our disappointments or momentary pauses, if you will, those things don't mean that God is not leading us. You move out in a direction, and you find out there's a closed door. That doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit's not leading us. It doesn't mean that. You may have stepped out in faith, believing you were engaged in some work of the Lord, only to hit a brick wall, to be prevented from or kept from following through. And just like landing on the second week of January in that game, there's some frustration with that. But unlike that game, our life's not a game, is it? We're we're living it. It's real. And unlike that game, the Lord is always leading us forward. It's always forward. Unless we got involved with sin and we've broken our relationship with the Lord, that would be something different. If we jumped off at some point, we, made to, we might need to go all the way back to where it was we jumped off, get back on track and move forward from there. But otherwise, it's always forward. In uh, chapter 16, verses 6 and 7, let's read those. I just did. I already read them. I think it's important to recognize that the Holy Spirit's been directing their steps all this time and directs our steps too. I think it's safe to say they truly wanted to take the gospel into those areas, and taking the gospel into those areas was a good thing. In fact, they wanted to go into Asia. It's not Asia like we understand it, but it's a province of, of a Roman province, Asia is. It's, it's to the west of where they were. They wanted to head into that's where many of those churches in the book of Revelation are mentioned. Eventually, Paul's going to get there. But for now, it's not the time. I think it's important to recognize that the Spirit leads. And he leads through it all. And that, that simple recognition that sometimes the door is closed. A closed door is not an abandonment of the Spirit's leading, but the very thing he uses to lead us forward. And that's what they find out. It's God who directs our steps, just as it says in Proverbs 16. Uh, I was listening to a message, and in that message, there was uh, someone talking about the great revivals that have taken place throughout history. And people will study those revivals and try to study them so they can go back and do the same thing. Because if we could just do what they did, we'll have a revival. It was a wonderful message. But what the guy was getting at is, it doesn't work that way, hey? It doesn't work that way. Our relationship, as we were reminded also this morning, is an intimate one. It's an intimate one. We're not following a pattern. We're following a person, and the person is the Lord Jesus Christ. If it was a pattern, that would be so different. You see that with in the Old Testament when they took the Ark of the Covenant and they, they said, hey, we're getting defeated in battle. Let's take the Ark out in front of us, and it, it will save us. Well, it had no power. 
It was God that was giving them victory. Eh? It was God that was giving them victory. And as, as we look at that map of Paul's missionary journeys, and you see just the way those just wind around in different places, the only pattern we can follow would be this pattern of a total dependence upon God. It's the only pattern there for us that we can follow, a pattern of dependence upon God. I mean, I think it's safe to say when they reached the borders of Asia, they fully expected to go in. When they reached the border of Bithynia, they fully expected to go in. But they didn't. The Holy Spirit did not permit them. The Spirit leads according to God's timetable, and the Lord's timing is perfect. His timing is perfect. Verses 8 and 9, And passing by my Asia, they came to Troas. A vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing and appealing to him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. This brings me to my second point. The first point was recognizing when the Spirit is leading. And he's leading through it all, unless we've gotten off base in our relationship with the Lord. The second point is resting in where it is the Spirit leads. And this might be the most important Resting in where it is, the Spirit leads. It's important to rest in where the Spirit is leading you. To be okay with where He is leading. might not be exactly what you planned or expected, but it's important to rest where the Spirit leads. We read of these towns, and I have a difficulty pronouncing some of them, in these regions, and they're remote, and they're distant to us. And I could show you a map, and I could talk about something I could learn from each one of those areas. But they're remote and they're distant. They're geographical locations. I'm talking about resting in where it is the Spirit is leading right now. They went to places like Syria and Cilicia, Derby and Lystra and Pergia and Galatia. But they were forbidden to go into Asia. Geographical locations. And we can relate. We live in a geographical location. Paul could have said, we went here and we went there, and the Lord seemed to open doors wherever we went. But now it's not the resistance to the message that's in front of us, and it's not persecution from non-believers, but the Holy Spirit is restricting our movements. He's restricting our movements. But it's that very restriction they recognize is the leading of the Holy Spirit as to where they are to go. The Holy Spirit is paving the path before them. And in verse 8, Paul mentions Troas. And they're only going to spend a, an afternoon and a night there. In the morning, they're out of there this time. But Paul's going to come back. And it's really interesting. Paul says something about his return trip there. And Josh, would you pull up the second verse, 2 Corinthians 2.14? He says, but thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. When he writes that to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 2.14, I want you to turn there. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Starting at verse 12. 
Now Paul is writing this letter to the Corinthians and he's talking to them about some things. And at this point he's talking about some things that take place in his third missionary journey. But this town comes up again here. 2 Corinthians 2, verse 12. Now when I came to Troas for the gospel of Christ, and when a door was opened for me in the Lord, there it is, an open door. I had no rest for my spirit, not finding Titus, my brother, but taking my leave of them, I went on to Macedonia. He's going on to Macedonia again. But thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. Paul is looking back at all the details of his travels, and he's recognizing that God has led them all the way. All the way. And he's resting in that. He's resting in where it is the Spirit leads him. And he's not, he's not talking about the geographical locations. I think he's talking about a couple of things. I think he's talking about the fact that the direction is forward. They can't, back in, in, in Acts now, 16, they can't move west, so they try to go east. They can't go east, so they move to the north. But notice they don't turn around. They don't turn back to where they came from. They don't turn back. It's forward. Even before they get to Troas, they've decided to move forward in the way that they're able to go. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3 says, Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. There's a race we're to run. There's a path marked out for us. So the direction is forward, and the direction is upward. The Holy Spirit leads, and we should move in the direction of the Lord. And that's why I say this is the most important point. We should move always in the direction of the Lord, wherever you're at in your spiritual life, and you're thinking, ah, not sure. You should move in the direction of the Lord. It'll never do you wrong. Always move in the direction of the Lord. Galatians 5.7, Paul writes to the Galatians who were struggling with this thought of circumcision, which we just dealt with a few weeks ago in Acts 15. He says to the Galatians, you were running a good race. Who cut in on you? and kept you from obeying the truth, that kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. There are persuasions or influences that don't come from the Lord. The direction is forward, and the direction is always toward the Lord. The Holy Spirit's leading is always toward the Lord. You want to know if you're being led of the Spirit? You'll know it this way. He's moving you, leading you toward your relationship with the Lord, toward a closer walk with Him. He's not moving you away from the Lord. If you're moving away from the Lord, that's not the Holy Spirit's leading. It's you. It's you. Or some other influence. It's not the Lord. The Holy Spirit is leading them to a geographical location, but it's more than just that. He's leading them in a greater dependence on God, forward into a greater relationship with the Lord. In 2 Corinthians 1.9, you don't need to turn there, Paul says, I don't want you to be uninformed, brethren, about the difficulties we had. He says, we felt the sentence of death within ourselves. And he says another thing, he says, but this happened so that we would not depend on ourselves 
but on the Lord, but on God who raises the dead. It's important to rest in where it is the Spirit leads. The Spirit, to rest in the, the knowledge that the Spirit leads us forward and leads us in a greater relationship with the Lord. It's important to rest there. Third point, responding to the Spirit's leading. Responding to the Spirit's leading. Notice their response, and this point's a little quicker, their response is immediate. A vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing and appealing to him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. When he had seen the vision, immediately, notice the word here, we sought to go into Macedonia. That's the first we. Our author, Luke, just joined the party. Everything he's spoken of before, he's written down secondhand. He's going to start writing down some firsthand knowledge here. We sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Immediately. Immediately. The response is immediate. The Holy Spirit's speaking to you about something this morning. and look, I don't know if he is, but if he is, your response should be immediate. Immediate. Don't wait. If you need to go before the Lord, say, Lord, forgive me. I thought I was following after you, but I was following my own inclinations. You can go to the Lord and say, Lord, forgive me. Their response is immediate. The Holy Spirit moves them, leads them in the work of the Lord, and they respond. They're shown through Paul's vision, the plan God had for the advance of the gospel. And they get excited. There's a closed door, there's a closed door, and now there's a door wide open. It's almost like there's a neon sign, this is the way you're to go. What a joy it is to have God just put that sign out there like, you can't miss it. I know, Lord, this is what you have for me. What a joy it is to know that. And there's confirmation for them, immediate confirmation. They get in a boat, I'm not looking at the verses now, but they get in the boat, and you know what happens? It says they sailed straight away to Samothrace, and then on to, on to Neapolis, and then to Philippi. It's just a straight shot. It, that's a nautical term. It means the wind was at their back. The wind was favorable. The wind just pushed them along. Instant confirmation that they were following the Lord's leading. They're going to sail back. It's not going to be so easy. It's not, going to, it's not always like that, right? It's not always like that. The Lord leads us into a greater dependence on him all the time. But this is instant confirmation. You haven't missed it, guys. You're going the right way. But look at the need here. Look at the need in verse 9. A vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing and appealing to him. This is, a, this is an appealing. This is a begging. Come over to Macedonia and help us. What kind of help was it they needed in Macedonia? It's probably bigger than the other point that I said was big. What kind of help was it? Judy works at the mission, and I just love her when she talks about this. All the things that she's doing at the mission is to bring the gospel into the life of someone who desperately needs the truth. All the other things are for that purpose. That's the main thing that people need. Of all the needs that people have, that's the need that you have the most. You don't have a greater need than that. You need a relationship with God through Jesus Christ because this life isn't going to last forever. Friend, we know this life isn't going to last forever. 
We're, we're getting older. We're, we're going we're gonna to pass on. We're going to move along. This life isn't all there is. There's, there's something yet to come. And God is going to judge the living and the dead. I, I got that, the opportunity to preach a message last week from Titus chapter 2. And in Titus chapter 2, Paul writes to Titus about two epiphanies of Jesus Christ. And he says in Titus 2, 11 through 13, I'm paraphrasing here big time. He says that that first epiphany was, a, was an epiphany of grace. In his first appearing, he came in grace. And then in, cha- in, in chapter 2, verse 12, he talks about how it is we're to act in light of that. And then in verse 13, he says his second appearing. We're looking to that second appearing, and it's going to be a appearing of his glory. His glory that was veiled other than on the Mount of Transfiguration. When he comes again, it's not going to be in this gentle baby in a manger. It's not going to be primarily an appearing of his grace. It's going to be an appearing of his glory. And when he comes in his glory, friend, everyone is going to have to stand before him. Before him. In his glory. In his glory. When John sees a vision of his glory in Revelation, what happens to him? He falls down on his face. He falls down on his face. We're in Isaiah chapter 6 this morning, the Sunday school as well. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. And Isaiah says, woe is me. I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips, and I have seen the living God. He's seen something of the glory of God, and he falls flat on his face. When people encounter just angels, created beings in Scripture, what do we see them doing? Oh, look at the warm, fuzzy angel. Isn't it beautiful? No, they're falling on their face, terrified. These are created beings. Imagine standing before the God who created those angels in your, own, in, in, in your sin. You're not going to stand. The great need is for salvation. There is a judgment day coming. And apart from faith in Jesus Christ and His finished work on the cross, we're we're not heading for glory. We're heading for somewhere else. You can't stand before a living God and give give Him something that you have to give Him and say, here God, this is payment for my sin. And, And we know We know we're sinners. We know it. No one had to teach us how to sin. There's sin in our minds. There's sin in our hearts. There's sin in our actions. We know it. But a loving God sent his son to pay the price that we couldn't pay. And this is the message that, that this vision, this man in this vision is saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. Come to our aid. Come to the rescue of us, is what that word means. Come to our rescue. It's a distress call for immediate aid. The situation is critical. If you're here today and you have yet to trust Jesus Christ, your situation is critical. It's critical. If you were lying on a deathbed and there's five doctors standing around you and they knew what they needed to give you to cure you, but they weren't going to tell you what it was and they weren't going to give it to you, do you think you might be a little upset? Do you think you might say, hey, I know you got the goods. Shoot that stuff in my arm or do what you got to do. 
My situation is critical. I don't have any time to waste. That's this vision of a man from Macedonia. That's what he's saying. Our situation is critical. Critical. Come share the gospel with us. For all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. He paid the sin debt that we owe, that we can't pay. He paid it in full. And simply through faith in his finished work on the cross, we can stand before that, we can stand in that day of judgment, not judged. Romans 8.1, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. Praise the Lord. So when the, in verse 10, when the Spirit opens the door, the response is immediate. And it's specific. They go right where the Spirit tells them. The wind's with them. Wonderful confirmation. And they, and they arrive at their, des, their the desired destination in, in verse 12. And from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia, a Roman colony, and we were staying in this city for some days. Do you know how desperate the situation is in Philippi? This is a leading city, a Roman colony. They mint coins there. There's a civilization there. This is backwater. The people there need the gospel. The people outside these doors need the gospel. I wanted to speak to you today about moving forward as the Spirit leads to recognize when the Spirit is leading. He leads, it, leads us through it all. To rest in where the Spirit leads, He leads us toward a closer relationship with the Lord, and you can't fake that. You can't fake that. Look, I came to faith in Christ some years back now. Praise the Lord for that. But I can look back and see at different points in my walk with the Lord, that I kind of just set it aside a little bit. I mean, I didn't start doing sinful things. I just wasn't where I needed to be in my relationship with the Lord. Moving forward as the Spirit leads also means responding to when it is the Spirit leads. And if you have yet to trust Christ, you can trust him today. And if you're here today, brother and sister in Christ, and you've been walking away from the Lord, you've been going your own path, you can get that right today as well. Let me close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for your word. Thank you for these men that moved forward, trusting that the Holy Spirit was leading them through every circumstance. And thank you that we can look into these things and we can see how the Spirit leads us today. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. That forgiveness is complete and free. And thank you that you will never leave us nor forsake us. You've not given up on us, even, even in those times when we've given up on you. In Jesus' name, amen.